Good day, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Cliff Notes and the Global Manufacturing Picture. I'm Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of this show, one of many, on Manufacturing Talk Radio. As all of us have been following the news during this difficult and challenging summer of 2021, it should be no surprise to anybody that I'm going to title this episode, A World of Crisis and Risk, Can U.S. Manufacturing Hold Its Own? It seems like every day we are hit with a risk, an issue, a crisis, or a burden that is going to affect one way or the other, directly or indirectly, manufacturing companies. We all know what the list is. But it's grow, if you could consider it collectively, it's becoming a bulwark, a challenge for manufacturing companies. The Delta variant, the difficulties in Afghanistan, and the challenges and the risks after Afghanistan. A growing list and a growing problem with cybersecurity attacks. Supply chain disruptions that we have been talking about for months. Climate change in all of its implications, both policy and the actual physical implications that we have been seeing with climate change, and an increasingly difficult relationship with China. How has manufacturing, U.S. manufacturing, held up? How will it? One of the most interesting and challenging jobs uh, of economic analysis, particularly of macroeconomic analysis, is to be able to say how non-economic events affect economic outcomes. And the key question for that daunting list that I just gave you as far as affecting U.S. manufacturing outcomes is saying and asking, will these, will this list affect the cost of doing business in this world, we ever are, are, after all, a truly global sector, and will it slow the growth and the profitability of the manufacturing sector? So let's look at the recent data, both economic and manufacturing, for some hints, and then we'll look ahead and talk about what the issues. We don't have all the answers, but the data can help give us, guide us, through an increasingly turbulent, increasingly difficult world. As I will explain, we have seen some evidence of the impact of the renewed surge in COVID cases generated by the highly contagious Delta variant, as well as a range of supply chain disruptions that followed in part from the pandemic as well as our failure to fully invest in critical materials. But the other things, cyber attacks, the increased risk of terrorism following Afghanistan, a belligerent China, those things are probably going to manifest themselves all over the long term. This is a framework by which we need to analyze the U.S. manufacturing outlook going forward. How is manufacturing held up? How will it? Let's look now at the recent data. Let's start with the broad economic climate and look at economic growth, GDP growth, in the first half of 2021. The economic rebound 
maintained a great deal of strength in the first half of this year, up till 2021. Gross domestic product accelerated from 4.5% growth on an annualized basis in the fourth quarter of 2020 to an average of just below a remarkable 6.5% during the first half of 2021. We have not seen growth like this in two consecutive quarters in decades. The economic rebound has been primarily powered by a rebound in U.S. consumer spending. The growth of personal consumption expenditures, that's the broadest measure of consumer spending, goods and services, was a remarkably strong 11.4% in the first quarter of 2020, I'm sorry, of 2021, and 11.9% in the second quarter of 2021. In both quarters, total consumer spending contributed more than seven percentage points to total economic growth. That is to say that even given its large two-thirds share of the economy, consumer spending in this post-crisis, post-pandemic period, punched above its weight. For manufacturing, for the manufacturing sector, the broad economic data are giving us mixing signals, signals. The composition of consumer spending changed dramatically from the first quarter of 2021 to the second quarter of 2021. Consumer spending on goods decelerated from an annualized growth rate of 27.4% in the first quarter of 2021 to 12.8% in the second quarter, while consumer spending on services, by contrast, accelerated from just 3.9% in the first quarter of 2021 to 11.3% in the second quarter of 2021. That shift from a goods-driven consumer spending in the first quarter to a services-driven consumer spending in the second quarter has big implications for the manufacturing sector, as I'm sure we all understand. And it happened for reasons that we now all understand. The lockdown mentality abated. Consumers slowed their spending on things that are centered in the home, electronics, and consumers, and then um, computers. When they went out more, they ate out more, they took more vacations, they did things that involved more service kinds of interfacing. But while consumer spending is important, really the two most important drivers of U.S. manufacturing demand are equipment investment, capital equipment investment, and exports. Business spending on capital equipment remains strong. It's been a problem, which is a good sign. Within a difficult time, it's one of the few very good long-term signs that we have, because for a very long time, capital spending has been problematic. It's averaged a very strong 12.9% growth in the first half of 2021, and export growth, actually went from a nearly 3.3% uh, decline in uh, the first quarter of 2021 to 6.6% growth in the second quarter. All told, the broad economic picture was moderately favorable for manufacturing growth in the first half of 2021. The erratic jobs recovery even you know, seemed to have caught a little bit of hold in the in um, June and July, averaging 940,000 jobs, 
for those two uh, those two months, and even in the manufacturing sector, which, like the economy, remains well below in terms of jobs, well below the level of the pre-pandemic era, even manufacturing jobs caught hold and accelerated a bit. But with all of this, for challenges accompany the the much better path of growth in the U.S. economy. The first is concerns about inflation. On a 12-month percent change basis, which is the way I like to look at it, the major gauge of U.S. inflation, the Consumer Price Index, from an average of 1.2% during 2020 to 3.4%, during the first half of 2021, the highest since 2008. Many in the manufacturing world fully understand, I believe, that considerable supply chain challenges caused by a range of labor and material shortages have contributed to this worrisome overall inflation picture. In July and August, the economic picture has become somewhat mixed, unequivocally good for the first half, mixed for the second half. Adding to the challenges of supply chain disruptions and inflation concerns was a tragic renewed surge of COVID cases caused by the highly contagious Delta variant. Now, has that mattered to the economic picture? Well, Recent data suggests that the renewed COVID surge and inflation concerns are having substantial impacts on both consumer sentiment, which by the University of Michigan survey had one of its biggest drops, one of its five worst drops in the history of that survey, as well as a broad-based 1.1% decline in U.S. retail sales in July, tell us that the major motor a better economic performance in the first half of 2021 has been, at least tentatively we can say, has been very much affected by this Delta variant surge. And we see it even in more microscopic ways. Airlines are telling us that previously strong bookings, a renewal of strong bookings are kind of leveling off now. And there's other anecdotal evidence that the drop in consumer sentiment, the 1.1% fall in retail sales in July, are really a signal that the renewed uh, spike in pandemic activity is having some effect on the consumer, uh, the consumer picture and thus the economic picture. All right, so that's the broad picture with its implications for manufacturing. Let's hone in specifically. On manufacturing, what has the recent manufacturing picture looked like? Let's look at two reports, the two reports that I always look at, uh, the Institute for Supply Management report for July and the Federal Reserve's Industrial Production report. The ISM report has the famous ISM survey. It's the oldest survey, survey indicator in the United States going back to 1931 a very reliable leading indicator, short-term leading indicator of U.S. manufacturing performance. With all this, with the renewal, with the uh, the Delta variant, the renewed COVID surge, concerns about inflation, 
other things piling up, as I said. What does the ISM report tell us, at least for July? Well, the July manufacturing report on business from the Institute for Supply Management showed somewhat slower but still strong demand and production activity in the U.S. manufacturing sector. But more importantly, or perhaps as importantly, survey respondents continue to tell us about a range of supply chain dysfunctions. They include hiring difficulties, critical material shortages, and input price increases. They are really the thing that is most in the minds of U.S. manufacturing executives, particularly procurement executives, manufacturing people, logistics, supply chain people. They are dealing with a range of oddities that none of us collectively probably have seen, at least in a very long time and perhaps in our lifetime. So manufacturing is still growing strong on the demand side, a bit slower, but those supply chain issues are front and center, and anecdotally, as you perhaps have seen in business publications, they actually seem to be getting a little worse lately. All right, let's go to the Federal Reserve's Industrial Production Report. This is the oldest economic data series in the United States. It goes back to 1919, 102 years now. We were measuring manufacturing output well before we started measuring the output of the broad economy. The actual, the, and the July data were actually quite interesting, at least if you're a statistician or an economist, and I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here. The actual manufacturing uh, output data for July needed to be looked at very carefully. If you looked at the Federal Reserve's industrial production report without actually reading their commentary, you would think that the output of motor vehicles and parts suddenly soared from a contraction of almost 6% in June to a gain of more than 11% in July. But as the Federal Reserve commentators told us, a number of vehicle manufacturers either trimmed, trimmed back or canceled their normal July shutdowns every year in July the auto sector shuts down its plans for retooling and other things. Since the uh, shutdowns are accounted for by the seasonal factors, which correct for seasonal patterns in the data, so you can see a progression of a series, the seasonally adjusted July auto output gain was greatly exaggerated. So those of you who may have thought that the auto output story completely turned around in July. I don't want to be a skunk at the party, but it didn't. That was a, in this case, it was a rare statistical anomaly. I, I don't think we'll, it'll be years before we see anything like this again. They have, they're rare, but they do happen. And in this case, that big jump in auto output was simply a result of, of automakers not doing their July shutdowns. But the, the seasonal factor, the seasonal factor is um, expecting the July shutdowns, and that's the seasonally adjusted auto output gain in July greatly exaggerated. The fact is, as the Fed notes, that auto output remains 
burdened by a persistent shortage of semiconductors. The semiconductor shortage is likely to remain an issue for U.S. manufacturing performance through the balance of 2021, and as I study it and see how fundamentally difficult it is, I think the chip shortage is going to take us, unfortunately, into 2022, and that's going to hold back any real real acceleration of manufacturing output growth and probably economic growth in 2022. Uh, it turns out that about half of the reported 1.4% growth in manufacturing output in July was due to this exaggerated auto output gain in July. Now, that would mean that without it, that uh, manufacturing output grew at 0.7%, which is not bad, which is not bad at all, although we don't know what kind of derivative implications there were from the, um, the exaggerated auto output. We had, a, you know, strong numbers of machinery, primary metals. That could have been partially a result of the, uh, you know, the, the, the anomalous reporting on um, seasonally adjusted car auto output. We'll have to see. All right. So that's, that's it. We have probably uh, moderately good manufacturing output. It's burdened and risked by, uh, by terrible supply chain shortages, which really seem to go month to month. And the, the duration of these supply chain shortages with a labor shortage, shortage of critical input materials, surging input prices. It's very hard to predict at this point how long they will go on. Now, going forward, what's the outlook here? Well, you have to, certainly we can get a hold economically of the Delta variant and understand what that's doing. It's, for now, it's affecting the consumer. We have some hold on what these supply chain difficulties are doing. But we have to realize that the global environment for business has long-term become riskier. The tragic situation in Afghanistan, even once it is over and the United States and the NATO allies are out of there, it suggests that terrorism will be a risk, and that becomes partially a business risk. We know that cyber terrorism is a risk because we've been victimized by cyber attacks. Huge costs. Big company heads met with the president, and they've announced large billions of dollars of investment in cyber attacks. Who knows if they're, uh, if they're not going to have to make huge investments related to physical terrorism. Climate change is going to have policy implications and physical implications. Disastrous floods, like the horror story we just saw in Tennessee, are going to have impacts on where supply chains go through, on delivery, on, on goods. None of this is going to uh, – the Delta variant, there's some sense it's peaking. We assume the pandemic is going to pull back and we'll get some control over it. But all of this is so uncertain. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to stop the manufacturing recovery in its tracks. I'm not suggesting that. But when you think about the outlook, when you think about the manufacturing outlook, when you think about the outlook for your particular industry, as difficult and as frustrating as it is, you have to consider all of this. Right now, policy is a tailwind. Policy is helping us. Monetary policy 
it's helping us. The Fed said they may start tapering toward the end of this year, but it doesn't mean they're going to raise interest rates. Chair Powell today in his comments were very, very careful to emphasize that. Fiscal policy is likely to remain very accommodative. While the global economic recovery is uneven, some concern about flowing in China and, and all this, it's likely to be at least basically at least, at least moderately be a help to the U.S. manufacturing outlook. So we got our hands full. My guess is that we'll have moderate growth in 2022. But risk uh, uh, in moderate, I should say, moderate U.S. manufacturing growth and probably moderate economic growth in 2022. These numbers are great, six and a half percent, but they're unsustainable. We, you know, the long-term sustainable growth rate in the United States economy, which is the sum of labor productivity and labor hours, is probably in and around two percent. We are seeing tremendous growth rates because we came off of a pandemic crash. And we were induced to do so by tremendous, historic fiscal and monetary policy, giving us numbers that are short-term. We won't see that again. We will probably revert to moderate growth, but when we think about um, what the outlook for manufacturing is, when we think about what the outlook for our industries are, I think the cost of manufacturing, the very cost of manufacturing, is going to rise. And it's going to become somewhat more difficult to be a manufacturer and that, that's probably going to have impacts on the price of goods. But I'll be following it. We'll be following it here at Manufacturing Talk Radio for you. I hope everybody had a good summer. It's been a challenging one for all of us, for the world. This is Cliff Waldman saying, I look forward to seeing you the next time. And that's it, Craig. All right, perfect. So, uh, yeah, circle back with us uh, on the conference. Let us know what you'd like to do. Yeah, but uh, on our end, we'll be fine. Uh, perfectly happy to do it. Cool. All right, man. Yeah, the, the conference hotel is the Crystal Gateway Bay Marriott. It's across the street from where I live. Oh, okay. That's convenient. Nice to <laughs> you. How many times does that happen? Yeah, right? Awesome. Cool. It is. All right, All right listen, uh, have a good uh, show. And... Good. Have a good weekend. Have yourself a, yeah, you too. I love the delay. It, it, it makes the conversation almost impossible to have. All right, well, if I ever, you know, if I ever, you know, become an astronaut, it's good experience. Yeah, it'll, it'll come in handy because you'll know how to wait for that little uh, five-second delay. <laughs> All right, man. take it easy. All right, talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.